Welcome to Stirring Words, where health and fitness experts Kim Taylor and Judy Ulrey explore God's wisdom on wellness. Listen in now on their weekly phone conversation. Miss Kimberly. Hey, Judy. How are you doing this afternoon? I am doing well and anxious to talk to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been having such good conversations, haven't we, about the beliefs that keep you overweight. You know, it's just interesting because the Holy Spirit has really been opening up our eyes to some things. He's brought some things back to my remembrance for sure. Well, and since you confessed some old memories, was it, I don't remember if it was last week, I think it was two weeks ago. I just might have some confessions today, so stay tuned. Okay. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Well, as I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned to it, I'm always good, good for some little secrets being okay, spilled the dirtiest dirt. <laughs> but sister, <laughs> like I mentioned, our topic has been the beliefs that keep you overweight because I was confronting some beliefs that I used to have some false beliefs on my own weight loss journey. And I'll mention that we're going to be covering eight beliefs and we cover four of them already. So for those listeners out there who didn't get those, then I recommend that you go back and listen to the previous session so that you can go ahead and catch up. And one of the points that we're making is how important it is that we walk in the truth according to God's word so that we can experience freedom. So, Judy, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and pray us in. And I want you to read the focus scripture for this episode, which is John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. My pleasure. Gracious, gracious Heavenly Father, it is indeed a privilege to gather in your name. And you have promised that when two or three are gathered, you are with us. And we claim that truth today. And we ask that you speak to Kim and I, you speak through Kim and I, and you speak to our listeners, stirring their hearts with your holy word. For we ask it in the name and the power of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And John 8, 31, 32, ooh, it's a good one. Yes. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Mm, 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 mm. And that is a powerful scripture. And one thing when we look at that scripture, Judy, is that this scripture tells us that freedom is conditional. It's not something that happens to us automatically in that in our experience. And we can tell this by Jesus's use of the word if he said, if you abide in my word. You are my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So these scriptures gives us the positive results that what happens when we abide in in God's word. Number one, that we'll know the truth. And then secondly, that truth will make us free. 
So the Bible warns us that this doesn't doesn't just mean intellectual knowledge, head knowledge, but it also means heart conviction that inspires us to live in God's word, which means abide and abide implies that this is more than just a passing visit, but it means making God's word at home in our hearts. And, you know, Judy, this reminds me of what the psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 119, verse 11, which um, several years ago, I actually took the time to memorize Psalm 119 just for my own um, benefit there. But Psalm 119, verse 11 says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So that's what this implies. We experience freedom as we hide God's word in our hearts and make the word at home in our hearts. So Judy, I am just curious now, have you ever had a client who knew intellectually what to do concerning their health habits, but didn't have the heart to change? And I'm curious, what did you do in that particular situation where they had the head knowledge, but not the heart conviction? So first of all, I have to say, wowie, zowie, you really memorized all of Psalm 119? That's like long. Isn't it the longest psalm? Yeah, it took me it took me almost a year to memorize the whole thing. <laughs> I did it. Yeah, well, by you did it, yeah. which mm-hmm. is astounding. I cringe it. Three sentences. So you go, girl. Anyway, so (laughs) your question to me was uh, for those of us who because I think it, you know, it can be all of us sometimes who sort of know intellectually what we need to do. And yet in our hearts, we just haven't haven't had the heart to change. And it reminds me of the parable of the soils. Yes. And I've been in Luke, and that's why I'm sure this is front of mind. And I'm sure our listeners are familiar, but it talks about a sower sows his seed, and the seed is the word of God. And that's what you've been talking about, is that if you know my word, if you hide my word in your heart. So in this parable, the seed is the word of God. And so the first seeds fell along a path that were trampled underfoot. And it's described as along a path where those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And that's really sort of exactly like what you had asked. It's sort of, I, false start. And what this says, again, the ones along the path is that Satan comes and takes away the word from their heart. So what that reminds me of is some of the whining Lord, Lord, uh, Kim, that you and I have both heard, oh, I can't change. I've tried and tried. I'm doomed to be unhealthy forever, to be overweight forever. That is the devil coming and taking away the word from their heart. So that's number one. The the second seed was that that fell on the rock that was described or or defined as the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. Oh, I'm excited. I'm starting this new program. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing 
fall away. I mean, I don't know, Kim, to me, that just sounds like the typical diet. I mean, it just, that to me, that just screams the typical diet. Oh boy, oh boy, I'm starting this new program. I'm all excited. And, you know, two weeks later, I'm out. And then the third seed was um, falling falling amongst thorns. And those are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, here it goes, folks. As they go on their way, they are choked by the pleasures of life. And that just screams our passion for our favorite foods. I mean, that, that just screams. They're choked by the pleasures of life. And then finally, obviously, the good soil are those who hear the word. And here it is, exactly what you've been saying, Kim, or exactly how you prefaced this session. Hearing the word, they hold it fast in an honest and good heart, bearing fruit with patience, which is a whole nother topic, right? So sanctification is the fancy Christian word for change by the spirit. And that is done by holding God's word fast in an honest and good heart, which is exactly what you said, Kim. If you abide in Christ, if you abide in his word, you shall be free. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes a difference. It really does. So thank you so much, sister, for that insight makes a difference. So let me go ahead and cover those other two beliefs that kept me overweight. And some of these may be familiar to you, too, for those of you who are working on your health habits. The next belief that I had was called sweets are a treat. That was my belief. Sweets are treats. And I'm going to blow the the roof off the house here in a second when we look up the word treat and what that means. And then the next belief was eating what they eat makes me belong. And that last one concerns social influence, which is a big challenge. That's the people that are around us. So we're going to discuss that one later. But for now, let's go ahead and talk about this fifth lie, which was sweets are a treat. So to uncover whether a belief is true, I think it's important that we understand what we're really saying or thinking. And that's why it's helpful to define meanings. I looked up the word treat and here is what I found is the definition of treat. The definition is an event or item that is out of the ordinary and gives great pleasure. So for our listeners, did you catch the out of the ordinary part? Now, that means that this is not something that you do every day. In other words, you're not treating yourself every day because it means it's out of the ordinary. And this is the question when I looked that up, <laughs> when I thought about the word treat, and I had this question to myself, would you call brushing your teeth every day a treat? And it's not a treat because it's part of your daily routine, I hope. It's part of mine and Judy's. So if you're indulging in sweets every day, that is not a treat according to its definition. So continuing to call it a treat is a lie. It is part of your routine. So for me, I had to confront the effects of making sweets part of my daily routine. And those effects were not a treat. So once I wrote about how I felt after binging off of sugar for a week, 
And this is what I wrote. I wrote, I feel as sick as a dog. I hate feeling this way. My energy is drained. I have a headache. My sinuses are swollen. My nose feels stuffy. I have been sneezing like I am catching a cold. My joints ache. My knees feel stiff when I walk. My internal temperature gauge is off. I'm cold one minute and hot the next. My face feels bloated. I feel heavier because I am retaining water. My skin feels clammy and itchy. Now, does that sound like a treat to you? So I recommend really <laughs> sign me up. Yeah, really sign me up. Can't wait. <laughs> not if we're honest with yourself, right? No, that does not sound like a treat. So for our listeners, I recommend journaling about how the food you eat regularly make you feel because that will help you to uncover truth that you may have overlooked. And and I was just thinking, we had a, a TBYT member who wrote this not too long ago. And it was quite interesting, her perspective. But she talked about her brain hijack from eating sugar. And she ended her, her post with, sweets are my middle name. Oh, my goodness. And that was so interesting because I wanted her to call that to her attention. And, you know, I wrote back what I thought and then I ended it with, and by the way, because I'm nosy, what is your real middle name? Because mine is Yvette. See, she caught the humor of what I was saying because that's a lie. Sweets, unless your mother really did name you Sweets as your middle name, that is not true. But see, that's what the enemy does. He makes or tries to make a food or something our identity. So if you're attached to sweets and saying it's your middle name, then he's deceiving you into making that part of your identity, which is very hard to change if it's part of, if you're making it part of who you are. So for me, I may have a couple of bites of a sweet on rare occasions. Typically, if I'm out at an event or something, I might have a couple of bites to taste it. But I don't want to fill up on that side, that stuff because I know it's going to hurt my body in the long run. And here's another insight that a TBYT member shared. And she did that really just yesterday. But I thought this was so great because we typically talk about how certain foods have the ability to hijack our brains where we tend to lose self-control when we eat these things so that we binge off of them. And she posted in our community the definition of hijack. And so I want to read that to our listeners as well, because, you know, the people in the community who responded, they were like, wow, I never thought of it like that. But here's the definition of hijack. Hijack is to unlawfully seize vehicle in transit and force it to go to a different destination or use it for one's own purposes to commandeer to take over, to take possession of. And it's really sobering when you think about a food having the ability to seize you, to force you to go in a different destination than you want to go, to commandeer you, to seize you, to take over. Isn't that something? I mean, it's really sobering when you think about it. So when you're telling yourself that that sweets are a treat, 
You have to be honest and ask yourself, are these effects really a treat? Because if you think about it, our goal is to finish our life well on in on the earth in the Lord so that we can do our part to expand our Savior's kingdom. So, Judy, I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts about people seeing sweets or something else unhealthy as a treat? Well, first, Kim, that, you know, kudos to your TBYT member for looking up hijack because that is astounding. And it really creates for me a vision of Satan who comes to kill, steal, destroy, and hijack. And I mean, I started getting this bubble of anger when I think about, I mean, you just got to know these lies come from the pit of hell. And so I also applaud your candor and sharing with us your journaling. Because what I heard you say, as you are just very honestly journaling, so, you know, you're not talking to anybody, you're really talking to yourself and to your Lord. And you're just saying, you know, after I binge on sugar, my energy is drained. I have a headache. I have a stuffy nose. I have achy joints. I mean, that is not a treat. And so the question for our listeners, when and if you struggle with unhelpful foods, is that five minutes of pleasure, that five minutes of enjoying a treat, really worth all the heartache afterwards? The drained energy, the feeling stiff, I mean, all those things. My guess is anyone who struggles with a sugar addiction has had those symptoms. And so is that five minutes of a treat really worth all that? And it's just such an explicit example of walking in the flesh for a moment versus the spirit. Feelings, I must have that instead of faith. So I just, it made me think about a passage that I won't read the whole thing, but it's Ephesians 2 and it's verses 1 through 8. And I'll just read a couple of the verses. It says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you walked, in which you once walked. So that's like old news, folks, which you once walked. That's, that's history books following the course of this world in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. That is exactly descriptive of the mental battle of that precludes the battle of the flesh. And then it says, like the rest of mankind. I mean, it, you're not alone. This is a struggle. This is a struggle a universal struggle. But you know what? The next two words in verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has for you, even when you were dead in your trespasses, made you alive together 
with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So that's the other side of that conversation. And I would just encourage our listeners to memorize Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, but, and personalize it. But God being rich in mercy, even when I was dead in my trespasses, made me alive together with Christ. By his grace, I have been saved. Present tense. Amen. Amen, my sister. Amen. And doesn't just, when you think about truth, truth just really, your spirit agrees. When you hear truth, your spirit agrees. And it's saying, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I, I pray that is that is on uh, connecting with our listeners as well, because, again, the word says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth and it will make you free. <laughs> and that's what we're what that's what we're after through these series, through our sessions with stirring words is freedom, ultimate freedom uh, among God's people. So we're not in bondage to anything. So here's the final one, um, not final one for this session. I mean, we still got two more um, after this. But for this session, here's another lie. And that is eating what they eat makes me belong. And so I used to feel uncomfortable by choosing things to eat, like at buffets or events or even church meetings where they would have buffets and people would choose things and I would feel uncomfortable if, and I say if there was anything healthy, because sometimes there wasn't. <laughs> but if there was, I would feel uncomfortable sometimes choosing to eat something that was different from the people around me. And so I had this subconscious belief that if I eat what everybody eat, else eats, then that makes me belong. But the truth was that what connects me to people is my love for them not eating what they eat. And see, this is huge. This is something that we need to take a look at because the truth of the matter is we have agency. We are free to make choices that are good for us, even if they are different for what from what other people choose to eat. They are free to make their own choices for what they put in their mouths because they are adults. And as such, we are free to make our own choices and if we choose to eat things that we believe will take help to take care of ourselves, well, if other people are uncomfortable with that, so be it. Because we think for those of us who do want to live a life that of health and strength and have our energy up, we believe that God has given us a responsibility to manage the body that we have. We don't own our bodies, but God has called us to manage them. And so we choose to take that responsibility seriously and eat to keep our body strong and healthy for kingdom work. And our goal is to feel and function our best. So if other people choose to make different choices concerning their bodies, then that's on them. We're not judging, but hey, we have the right to make our own choices. And we recognize that love is the connector with other people not eating what they choose to eat. So, Judy, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts about the role of social influence in practicing healthy habits? Well, it's absolutely huge, Kim. And there have been studies done on this where we are all impacted 
by the people with whom we hang out. So if your friends and family are supportive and also committed to making healthy choices, you are much more likely to do so yourself. And when your friends and family are not, then it's, it's much harder. And so that's just one truth about us in terms of we are social beings. And so isn't it interesting that one of the lies that you believed is that part of your bonding experience was eating the same food, even if it sabotaged you. And so I do have a little confession. And for me, it really was different than you in that I wasn't, for me, it was just an excuse. And so for you, you really felt like it was important for being part of your community and and you didn't want to offend them and you wanted to connect with them. For me, I think I just use it as an excuse. And the it being, I, I used to justify my cussing by saying, it, you know, it makes me cool. It makes me sort of more down to earth. And then I'm better placed to, share, to connect with my non-Christian friends because I don't seem like a, a nerdy nerd. Ah. Now, how's that? for manipulating wow, the truth. Wow, wow. Okay. So it's different, but it's just the same. It's saying, oh, I need to blend in. And, you know, when, when Moses and God had their powwow, Moses asked, how will they know that we are distinct? Yep. And I think that is such a powerful verse. And are we, as the children of God, distinct? in this world. And you and I just both gave examples of where we really wanted to meld right in Mm -hmm. with the world. And that is absolutely not our call. That's right. That's right. And see, Judy, the thing is, God never called us to blend in. He called us to stand out because there's a scripture actually in Deuteronomy that says, for what great nation is there? that has God so near to it as our God is to us that for whatever reason we may call upon him. And it also talks about the nations around the people of Israel, how they're seeing the difference that, that these are people who operate with wisdom and operate with understanding. And so because the Nations around them would see the difference of the results in their lives from operating in wisdom and understanding. They would know that there is a God in Israel. But what ended up happening was the people of Israel, they wanted to blend in so bad. And they're like, give us a king. Give us this. They wanted to blend in. And so that's a very powerful influence among people is that we want to fit in with everybody else and we don't want to stand out, but God calls us to stand out because what other hope does this world have if we're exactly the same in the same messes that the people of the world are? He calls us to stand out so that people of the world see that there is a difference in us and want what we have. They want the love, the peace, the joy, all of the fruits of the spirit in abundance that we are meant to operate in to glorify our God. 
So, Judy, I'm going to go ahead and end with an action invitation because we're actually almost out of time here. But I want our listeners to really think about some of these beliefs and see if they are in operation in their life. If these lies are driving your behavior just like they did mine. So here's our action invitation from last week. And um, it's actually a continuation because I want you to do the same thing. I've got two, but I want you to do the same thing this week as you did last week about these two beliefs that you've learned about. So the question is, do you have any sabotaging thoughts about healthy eating, which I did in that I thought of sweets as a treat? So do you have any sabotaging thoughts around that? And I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord in prayer to uncover those for you. And ask the Lord to help you renew your mind to the truth concerning food choices that will help you and not hurt you. And journal the answers because that will help you to really get clarity on your beliefs so you can evaluate whether these are true, whether they they are lies, and make a commitment to walk in the truth. And then the second action invitation that I have this week is start taking a look at the people who are closest to you the people who are around you, and then ask, how is social influencing impacting the health choices that you are making? Are the people that you eat with the most, are they health focused or are they not? And if your social influences oppose your commitment to a healthy lifestyle, now I'm not asking you to kick people to the curb or anything, but what I'm asking you to do is to ask the Lord, how can you increase your exposure to people who are living a healthy lifestyle for support? And then finally, how can you become the person who models a healthy lifestyle before others? Because you know that people do pay far more attention to what you do than what you say. And I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, how I went to a church leadership meeting and we had a buffet and one of the fellow members, members who was on um, behind me, look at, looked at my plate <laughs> to see what I had on my plate. And I wasn't even thinking about that someone was going to really check it out. But she knew that I was the author of Take Back Your Temple. And she wanted to look and see whether what I talk, what I talk about and what I teach was really the reality. So you just never know who's paying attention to what you're doing. So you want to become that person who models a healthy lifestyle before others and inspire them to live a healthy lifestyle themselves, not through preaching, but just through demonstration and how you live your life. So Judy, um, as we close, I'm going to see if you have any final thoughts and then I'll go ahead and close us with a word of prayer. You know, my final thought is where we started, Kim, because it's such a powerful verse and it's John 8. Uh, 31 and 32, but I'm just going to read the last half. It says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So I would just encourage all of our listeners to really reflect on that verse before you start answering and meditating on Kim's action invitations because the answer is abiding in his word. Amen. Amen, sister. Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we are so thankful for your word because in your word is freedom. And we don't want to be people who just have intellectual knowledge of your word. We really want your word to sink into our hearts. And we want to hide our word in our hearts because as Jesus said, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth will speak. And we only want to speak those words of truth, words of strength, words of edification, and better yet to make your word a part of who we are through our application of it. And remember, we talked about how knowledge becomes wisdom in that application, in the doing. That's when our life changes. That's when we have freedom. So, Lord, I pray that these words that Judy and I have spoken today will bear fruit, which we know that your word is designed not to come back to you void, but accomplish that which you please. But we also know that the results depends on the soil on which that word falls. So we pray for our listeners to be good ground for that word to flourish as a seed in their hearts. And that they have a hundredfold harvest in whatever area that you have provided for them to influence. So we thank you, Lord. We honor you. We glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen, sister. Thank you so much for your candid sharing. It is so helpful, I know, to our listeners who probably struggle with the same lies. So thank you. Ah, you're welcome, sister. And we have one more episode for this particular topic. Actually, I think we have um two more. I look forward to seeing what the Holy Spirit is going to bring out in our next session. So God willing, I will talk to you next week. Yes, ma'am. Love you big. I love you too, sister. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Stirring Words. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a session. And please tell your friends about us. If you'd like to dig deeper into this week's message, you can reach Kim at TakeBackYourTemple.com and Judy at HolyHealthClub.com. Until next week, may you be stirred by God's transformative word. Mm -hmm.